0: Welcome
1: to Native America Calling, I'm Sean Spruce. The Grand Canyon is a spectacular geographic feature known around the globe for its scenic wonder. Its significance is almost universally recognized. Around the Grand Canyon is public land that has always held significance for tribes, but it is the potential target for future uranium mining and other development. Tribes have a solution proposed to protect an additional 1.1 million acres. We'll hear about that plan and what it will take to get there right after the news.
2: This is National Native News. I'm Antonia Gonzalez. Hundreds of Guatemalans took to the streets over the weekend to protest alleged actions by the country's attorney general, some judges and prosecutors to interfere in the upcoming presidential election. Indigenous protesters are calling for road blockades and a national strike. Maria Martin reports.
3: Protesters in Guatemala City carried flowers and played traditional instruments, calling for a new Guatemalan democratic spring, an end to corruption, and what they call an electoral coup. The grandmothers of the Pocomán Maya nation, surrounded by dozens of police, burned incense and held sacred purification ceremonies at the federal court building, praying for Justice Department officials to stop interfering in the electoral process. Indigenous groups join labor, student, and other civic organizations to decry the corruption they say is not only trying to eliminate democracy, but has led to increased poverty, child malnutrition, and the forced migration of indigenous Guatemalans from their homeland. Several civic and Maya organizations are calling on social media for more protests and work stoppages this week, as Guatemalans continue to fight their fragile democracy for national native news amaria martin
2: after well over a century of use the historic red cloud indian school will be getting a new name however it's not exactly new south dakota public broadcasting's cj keen has more
4: the parochial school located on the pine ridge reservation will now be named in the lakota language mapia luta a translation of chief red cloud's name Jennifer Irving is the vice president of communications and marketing at the school. She says the idea for changing the name didn't come from an administrator's office.
5: Really, we were inspired by our athletes who years ago started requesting, instead of Red Cloud, can we put Mahpia on our jerseys? And it kind of inspired the rest of us to catch up, you know, with our young leadership here. And so that's really where where that change happened.
4: Irving says a lot goes into a name.
5: One of the things that we were um, trying to be mindful of was how do we select a name that highlights um, not just our four schools, but our six churches, the Heritage Center, and some of these broader community uh, programming that we have. So food sovereignty, truth and healing. We have a lot of work um, in Lakota language.
4: While the school has a deep history, Irving says the decision is about much more than rebranding.
5: In a way, maybe it was about reclaiming some space, but I think it was really about honoring Chief Red Cloud and really committing further to Lakota language revitalization. You know, how are we moving forward
4: together? The rebranding process is already underway and will continue over the coming school year. I'm C.J. Keen.
2: Oklahoma tribes are reacting to the state Senate's vote Monday to override Governor Kevin Stitt's vetoes of tribal state compact extensions involving car tags and tobacco revenue sharing. In a statement, Cherokee Nation Principal Chief Chuck Hoskin Jr. said it's a great step forward in preserving the compacts, saying they've served Oklahoma and the Cherokee Nation well for decades. The Choctaw Nation said the Senate did the right thing, while the governor called the move illegitimate. In a statement, Stitt said he's trying to protect eastern Oklahoma from turning into a reservation and working to ensure the compacts are best for all Oklahomans. Tribal leaders are encouraging the House to swiftly complete the veto overrides. I'm Antonia Gonzalez.
0: National Native News is produced by Kiwanaka Broadcast Corporation, the funding by the Corporation for Public Broadcasting.
4: Nobody likes a crowded highway. A crowded crib is even worse. For a safe night's sleep, use a fitted sheet only, and be sure there are no toys, blankets,
1: or pillows around your baby. Support by the U.S. Consumer Product Safety Commission.
4: Ready to start, manage, or grow your small business?
1: Tribal leaders and some Arizona state elected officials are pushing for new federal protections for more than a million acres near the Grand Canyon. The proposed Baj Noae, Ita Koovini Grand Canyon National Monument would protect the land from mining and other development. Tribes in the area are particularly worried about proposed uranium mining. But they also say the area has been culturally significant forever, and current protections for the federal land are inadequate. We'll hear about the significance of the land and what it will take to add new national monument status. The issues are similar to the recent designation by President Barack Obama who granted monument status to the Bears Ears area in Utah. We also want to hear from you today. What questions or concerns do you have with the protection of more land near the Grand Canyon? Or is your tribe pushing for any federal protections of land in your area? Let us know. Join the conversation by calling in at 1-800-996-2848. Once again, that number is 1-800-996-2848. Phone lines are open now. Our first guest today is joining us in Peach Springs, Arizona, Vice Chairman Shelton Scott Crozier of the Wallopi Tribe. Vice Chairman, welcome to Native America Calling.
6: Good morning. Good morning.
1: Good morning to you as well. Well, please start us off. I mean, this land near the Grand Canyon, why should it become a monument?
6: I believe that becoming a monument for not, not just Wallapai but all uh, other tribes, it it kind of puts in place that our birth of uh, origin. And these areas have been sacred for us Native Americans. And as we, um, during the winter times, or... Throughout the year, we go down and we pay respect to these canyons. You have a lot of uh, um, river rafting companies that go down and, and, in a sense, kind of disrespect our the lands that you know we originated from. And I think for the government to uh, designate as a monument, it would help control the population and numbers of individuals that um, um, go to these areas. You know we still utilize these areas throughout our years and and you know we want to preserve it for our our generations of our younger t- children that are coming up so I believe that you know with with all the tribes coming together you know this is a, a strong strong um unity of of tribes that are are making our stance to have President biden make this and dedicate this a a monument for or all tribes of, of Southwest and, and just other other tribes in Eastern also.
1: So. And Vice Chairman, your Wallapai tribal members, are, are they all in support of this monument as well?
6: I believe uh, some members are, and it's hard to you know try to get the tribal members educated on what's going on within the boundaries of the reservation and still pertaining to... Um, the natural resources that that are out there. I mean, I think it's very important for um, leaders to uh, and and you know parents to educate their their youth about what uh, we have on the reservations because those are very valuable resources that we have, and we as stewards, stewardship we have to take care of those resources for our like I said for our youth. So it's it's a learning process, education.
1: And for the wallapai people, that area, the Grand Canyon, the surrounding area where the monument's being proposed, um, what's the historical significance there for the wallapai
6: Well, Wallapai, we have originated in the canyon. So this monument is further up north from where we're at. We have, we have our reservation borders about 108 miles of the Colorado River. So anything that, you know, is being done up river is always going to flow down river. So that's what we're, we're looking at. But only, you know, we're in supportive of, you know, this monument to, uh, you know, hopefully that it will it'll make a stance for the government to see what our concerns are
1: about. Mm-hmm. And <clears throat> mining, is that a concern in the area for the Wollipi tribe as well?
6: Yes, it is. Uh, we we also have in our small portion of the reservations mining that is, is trying to um, go on uh, lithium mining. And, you know, we've taken a stance to where we don't want any of that going on because of the, uh, the scarring of the nature. And once the mining starts getting drilling, you know, they're going to start tapping into the... Um, The water aquifers and that's just one thing that you know we're trying to uh, help and the area that they're looking at doing this proposal lithium it's it's in a small town and it's not on the the areas on the reservation but you have non non non-tribal members that reside around that area and they utilize that water also so it's very important that you know we uh to get these um, big companies to understand the need of our water, you
1: know, so. Now, Vice Chairman, there is some opposition to the monument designation. There are words being expressed such as land grab. Uh, People are saying, hey, some people are saying too much land to go into federal protection. It's going to impact ranchers. It's going to impact people that own private land. What's your response to that?
6: I believe you know it's just preserving that area and i know um, from a ranching standpoint you know you have free-ranging cattle that are out there and you know the ranchers are, are, are trying to make a living but if they're you know designating areas for them to ranch you know it's, it's something it's a business but yet you know they also have to understand that you know there's rules and regulations that pertain to this monument. And it's something that, you know, it, it's put out there. And it's, you know, we just don't want to go in and, you know, say this is, um, we're closing this area. No, we're, we're trying to work with people and to get them to understand the importance of, of mining and, and what it, what the effects of, of it is. So, you know, of course, we're always going to get that opposition from, not just ranchers, but uh, political uh, individuals that are, you know, in those areas. So that's just something that, you know, we all have to understand is the, the importance of the, the issue there.
1: And those efforts to educate some of these folks, um, have those been productive at all? Or how are those communities responding when you express the concerns that you're expressing today about that land?
7: Um,
6: you're going to have individuals that are not in agreement with it, but again, it's just trying to work together. And, you know, how can we, you know, work together and make things, you know, happen for both, not just the tribal, but the ranchers as well, you know, working together is solving the issue. So I think that, you know, we as Native Americans and those as ranchers and, and political leaders, you need to understand that this is this is a concern for us. I mean it's gonna continue to go on for years and years and, you know, it it's something that we just have to work together.
1: Vice Chairman Shelton Scott Crozier on Native America calling today of the Wallapai tribe explaining this issue, this push for federal protections of land near the Grand Canyon. Vice Chairman, thanks for kicking off our discussion today. I want to move on now to our next guest who is joining us uh, from Arizona as well, Carletta Talusi. She is the Grand Canyon Tribal Coalition Coordinator. She is Havasupai. Carletta, welcome back to Native America Calling. Thank you for
8: having me.
1: Absolutely. Now, we just heard Vice Chairman explain some of the history there with the mining and other proposed development projects in this area around the canyon. Please tell us more about how those issues factor into this conversation today.
8: Yeah, thank you for your question. Uh, the, the proposed uh, monument uh, site in the south rim of the Grand Canyon happen to have a lot of uranium claims by international mining companies that have staked uranium claims in these areas on public land, Uh, mainly because of the 1872 mining law, they're able to gain access to public lands and stake uranium claims, which threaten the main water source of Northern Arizona
1: Okay, so that's pretty serious then, water issues at play. Um, Can you describe a a little bit, Carletta, if you will, this land? I mean, so many of us are familiar with pictures of the Grand Canyon and we see, you know, the beautiful gorge and everything. But this area around the Grand Canyon nearby that's being proposed for these federal protections, tell us a little bit more. Just what does that look like for somebody who's never been to that area or seen that specific part of the country?
8: Uh, thank you. Um, well, I'm from the Havasupai tribe. My tribe's village is in the bottom of the Grand Canyon, and we are known for our waterfalls and winter- visitors from all over the country hike into the canyon to enjoy the water and the village. And also for the Hualapai, they live on the rims of the Grand Canyon and um, have lived there for many years and sustained themselves on the rim. So hiking in, uh, into the canyon, and um, a lot of trails in the region, a lot of wildlife, um, and that's usually what attracts uh, tourism from all over the world to come visit this part of the canyon.
1: We are learning all about uh, more than a million acres of land near the Grand Canyon. Elected officials, tribal leaders also pushing for new federal protections for this land. We've got on the show today Vice Chairman Shelton Scott Crozier of the Wallapai Tribe, also Carletta Talusi. And we've got other guests on the show as well that we're going to hear from. We're going to talk about this issue in detail today. So anybody with a question or a comment, give us a call. Our phone lines are open right now. We'll get your comments on the air. Just call 1-800-99-NATIVE. We'll be right back. The world of sports betting is taking shape across the country, and tribes are working to make sure they get a piece of the action. It's no guarantee that tribes with significant gaming experience will be the leaders in sports betting development in some states. We'll find out more about it on the next Native America Calling.
8: Ah, I speak to from round dance to exhibition dance, you always come prepared. Why not do the same with your health? Schedule your wellness visits and never miss a beat. Contact your local Indian health care provider for more information. Visit healthcare.gov coverage or call 1-800-318-2596. A message from the Center for Medicare and Medicaid Services.
1: Thank you for listening to Native America Calling. I'm Sean Spruce. We're talking about a proposal by a coalition of tribes to grant federal monument protections to a million acres of land adjacent to the Grand Canyon. We want to hear from you today. Does your tribe have a cultural connection to this proposed monument, or is this land more valuable as a source of development? Join the conversation now by calling 1-800-996-2848. That's also 1-800-99-NATIVE. (laughs) Among the elected officials supporting tribal efforts at the federal level is Arizona Representative Raul Grijalva. I spoke with him earlier today about the proposal and why he thinks national monument protections are the right move in this area around the Grand Canyon. He says the tribes and other citizens in Arizona are at a disadvantage because of laws about development adopted more than a century ago.
0: So, this then becomes the last redress and a very vital redress. For that long-term protection, and and the fact that the coalition of eleven tribes that have a relationship with the Grand Canyon, uh, both spiritual, sacred, historical, millennium relationship, uh, that they are at the they are leading this effort, it, I, I said says a lot. And so here we have an opportunity. Uh, we've had listening sessions already, and those were very positive. Meetings continue uh, with the administration. Uh, the studies have been done, uh, the tribes have been involved from day one, and now we're at, at a juncture where more the, the administration has to come to some closure and some agreements. And And thus far, to be honest with you, uh, the, the response has been positive on the part of the administration, not only from Interior, but also from uh, CQ and the White House itself and the president. So we feel that we have an opportunity here, and we want to get it done and, and get it done this year.
1: Opponents of of this action, they're saying, you know, they're using words like land grab uh, because it bans any kind of energy development. Is this the right time to be halting energy development in this area, do you think?
0: I I don't think we're halting anything. There has been a moratorium. There has been no extraction uh, since that moratorium was put in place. It's a 20-year moratorium. And even initial studies about what is the content. We're talking just about uranium which is the source that everybody points to around the Grand Canyon in terms of the mining industry and their proponents, both in Congress and outside of Congress, it's 1% or less of a content of uranium that is available nationwide. So this is not about shutting off anything. It's about a law, 1872 mining law, that is not in this century. And the conflicts that we have around extraction and particularly mining and energy development relate back to the fact that that the industry has fiat in terms of where they drill, how they drill, the protections they put in place. And so, like I said earlier, this is the last step in a redress that otherwise will not occur. And the fact that everything we're talking about encompasses public land already. There is no private taking. There is no incursion into tribal lands. These are already publicly owned and administered lands that are receiving a designation to protect them in perpetuity from extraction. And it's kind of interesting that when everybody points to a land grab and stopping energy development, we're, we're basically talking in, in Arizona about extraction around the mining issue. And, and the controversies that surround these issues, whether it's Oak Flats, the Grand Canyon dealing with uranium, Rosemont dealing with copper uh, in Southern Arizona, all have to do with the fact that there was no prior consultation with tribes, no p- prior notification. It was just a deal that was done in the dark. And and then you get the reaction because Oak Flats to the Apache people, particularly San Carlos, uh, is considered as sacred, sacred, and part of their spiritual and historic legacy. And so, yeah, you're gonna have the conflicts when you deny the opportunity for meaningful consultation and meaningful conferring And trying to reach some consensus. When you cut that out, the 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 line is already drawn. The opposition is already created. So uh, no one, the the industry has only itself to blame for the fact that these controversies are going on. And uh, I make a point when I'm talking to people about it that we just have to stop for a second and come to the realization that it's the Grand Canyon, damn it, the icon of our national park system, not in Yellowstone the Great Tetons to a great extent, and, and, and the Redwoods, and, and, and to suddenly continue to put that, that in jeopardy. And so what the monument designation at the Grand Canyon, I think, is symbolic for many reasons. It is, it is important and vital to the legitimacy of indigenous people, their history, and their legacy in this country. Number two, it is important and vital to what we begin to do to make that transition to doing renewable energy and protecting for the long haul for generations to come around the vital issue of climate and the climate crisis that we're under.
1: That was an edited interview of my conversation with Representative Raul Gruhova, a Democrat in Congress from Arizona. He is among the elected officials in favor of designating the area around the Grand Canyon as a national monument. And I want to go back to our guest, Carletta Toulousey, who is with the Grand Canyon Tribal Coalition. And, Carletta, we just heard Congressman Grova say, it's the Grand Canyon, damn it. (laughs) How confident are you that these federal protections will happen?
8: Well, you know, my tribe has been in this fight ever since I was a teenager. It's been taking a long time for us to reach this point. And uh, many times we have been uh, just pushed around and not um, listened to for many years. And so it's really um, hard for me to be optimistic uh, because a lot of it is political. um, And um, I believe they need to put the politics aside and uh, money aside and look at it as a human life issue. Uh, We've lost so many people in the Southwest due to uranium mining and water contamination, and uh, that legacy needs to stop. It's 2023, and um, the priorities of this country need to protect Indigenous people, our waters, and our communities.
1: Understood, Carletta. I want to go back now to Vice Chairman Shelton Scott Crozier of the Wallapi Tribe. And Vice Chairman, uh, of course, your people, the Wallapi are heavily involved in this push, but there are other tribes in Arizona and also, I believe, Nevada that are involved. Can you tell us all the tribal players that are pushing for these protections?
7: I believe,
6: uh, thank you, I believe uh, there's probably, I want to say, at least 15 to 18 tribes that have been uh, working with the, the coalition. You have your lower um, tribes, the Colorado uh, River tribes, you have Yuma, you have uh, Mojave. you have the Paiute tribes in Utah, Navajo, Hopi, Zuni, Havasupai, Wollapai. Um, so we've all been all working together and, and trying to make this strong push for this monument to move forward. So I believe that, you know, with all the tribes working together and and looking at, you know, what we had mentioned is is the birth of our origin and and trying to keep this monument for the for our generations to come.
1: And are are you confident going forward that these protections will happen in the near future?
6: Yes I am. Yes I am. I believe you know with, with all the meetings and discussions we've had it, it's we're, we're pulling together and I think that's the main idea is to work together pull together and put our ideas together as to how can we um, push this effort to effort to the, the president and that way he can he would be the, the main person to sign on on this document to make this a monument for for the tribes mm-hmm.
1: and back to Carletta the mining issue, as I understand it, um, there is one mine that predated the moratorium 10 years ago that uh, put a halt on any additional mines, but that one mine that's there now, um, you know, you talked earlier about issues with water and other types of contamination and Um, I mean, if you notice just within the last 10 years or so, has it gotten worse? And and can you attribute some of those issues to this mine and the uranium that's being mined as we speak?
8: Um, Yeah, thank you for that question. Um, Pinyon Plain Mine is located on Kayabap Forest Service lands. It is a uh, valid claim near our sacred mountain, Red Butte, which is also called in our language or means lungs of our mother earth. And my tribe has been fighting that development of that particular uranium mine since 1984. And um, we've filed lawsuits in court um, against the Forest Service, we also filed um, against the Arizona Department of Environmental Quality challenging their permitting processes and um, we've come up with no victory to shut that particular mine down. Um, however, that mine has been uh, going through a lot of different um, changes in business and in also income wise um, and they have also damaged the area by piercing uh, the upper layer of the aquifer at that site and caused flooding to occur at that site and there has been no uh, sanctions or oversight to uh, my knowledge Uh, to that particular company. And um, we do understand that that one has been grandfathered in, but, um, you know, that is the most uh, scariest uh, mine near our sacred mountain. And they have all the permits, all the processes, but they have not mined yet.
1: Okay, have not mined yet. Thank you for that clarification, Carletta. Also, some of these ranchers and those that also have access to that land, do you have environmental concerns about the ranching interest there?
8: Uh, My concerns with the ranchers there are that um, their cattle is also roaming near these mine sites. And um, their cattle, is. I'm also concerned about them having safe water to drink because eventually those cows are going to be harvested and put on American tables for dinner. And uh, so all animal life need to be protected. And quite frankly, I believe a lot of the ranchers are in support of clean water. mm
1: mm-hmm. Well, Carlotta, what do you... Um... You know, you like you mentioned, you've been involved in this issue since you were a student, since you were a high school student. Sounds like pretty much your whole life uh, these issues have been at play there in your homeland. And um, what do you want people to understand, folks that maybe have never been to the Grand Canyon, folks who might, might not even be from Arizona? Uh, what's really at stake here long term that you want to emphasize? Yeah, thank you for
8: that. I think... Um... We would like to emphasize uh, the water that is flowing downstream from my village. Uh, We may be on the front lines of an environmental catastrophe, um, but everybody else downstream is also at risk. And that's the reason why Havasupai elders took on this fight, not just only for the Havasupai, but for everyone downstream that is relying on the Colorado River. Our river, Havasu Creek that runs through our village, drains into the Colorado River. So that's why we felt it was important to have all the tribes be involved in this process because everyone is at stake at this point.
1: Let's take a caller now. We have former Hopi chairman Clark Tenekongva and he has some thoughts on the Grand Canyon Monument. Hello, sir. Thank you for calling in today.
9: Uh, good morning. I am Slip correction, former Opie Vice Chairman. Um, I currently sit as one of the uh, Arizona Trails Association board members, and we are in full support of this legislation that's going forward from uh, not only the two congressmen that are in support, Mr. Uh, Gallegos and uh, Guajalba, Senator Cinema and, and others that have brought attention to this issue at, a lot, uh, at the national level. Also, a big thank you to the continuation of the, our brothers and sisters down there in the canyon, the, the koh people, the, uh, the Supai people, that have always been uh, putting this issue at the forefront. I remember working with them approximately 10 years ago, when they first brought this issue up, of course, it was something that was controversial. But yet at the same time, you know, America has to realize that we were here first. And that's why, you know, in Hopi, we have set put our footprints there prior to the burning of America today. We have policies and laws of mining. Yes, I totally understand that. That came after what we set our footprints down as, as Native nations. The other portion of this is that what is the biggest issue that I see is what the uh, Carletta is talking about, this water. There's a big water war going out here in the southwest, and I see the federal government already working against the crisis Recently, they ruled against the Navajo Nation in the Supreme Court on the rights to the water. Recently, the Arizona state courts rule against the Hopi tribe about their rights to the water. So you can see what's in the works about this, and they're not looking at it as realistically. What is going to be viable for the future as far as life goes? Are they there to just make minerals as far as priority for the economy, as the nation or the world, or are we here as a, as a survival nation? Those are some of the critical questions that I really have, and yet, You know, all we do is scar up to land every day, and nothing is being remanded. Maybe that's the reason why, as Native nations and leaders, that we respect what we're doing and also how we do it in our traditional and ceremonial ways, that why is it there's no rain, no snow, and we're suffering in this 118-degree heat every day now for over 20 days in the state of Arizona. There's elements. That are you know showing us what's going on, but yet a lot of it is not being recognized at the national level. So, uh, as a board member from the Arizona Trails Association, I fully am in support of what's going on. I hope other uh, Hopi people and other Pueblo people and other nations do join in. That that's the way we got the legislation forward and uh, having billiers because the national wanted because I did work on that for approximately six years. It was a lot of hard work, but yet it became a reality. Maybe short-lived, but you never know. At least you you see some kind of fruit that are bearing on the tree at this moment. And I thank you for all what you have done. Thank you.
1: Thank you, Clark, for, for calling in and sharing those insights from the Hopi Nation. We have to take another break, but anybody with a question or comment, For our show today, federal protections for more than a million of acres of land near the Grand Canyon.
10: 1-800-996-2848. Do
4: you want to start, manage, or grow your small business? The U.S. Small Business Administration can help.
8: SBA wants to see you win. They want to see you grow. They have been so helpful and so resourceful. Thanks to the SBA, my business is thriving today. Make sure you get in touch with SBA, and you will definitely be
2: on your way to a winning path.
10: For your small business needs, go to sba.gov
4: start. All SBA programs and services are extended to the public on a non-discriminatory basis.
1: You're listening to Native America Calling. We're talking about protections for land near the Grand Canyon, similar to protections for Bear's Ears National Monument. And with our next guest, we're going to talk more about Bear's Ears and compare and contrast that monument with these proposed protections there at the Grand Canyon. But before we do that, I sure do welcome any listeners to join our conversation, 1-800-996-2848. That's also 1-800-99-NATIVE share your thoughts about potential federal protections for land near the Grand Canyon. Joining us now is Woody Lee. He is the executive director for Utah Dene Bekaya. He is Dene. Woody, welcome to our show. Good morning, everyone. My name's
10: Woody Lee.
1: Well, it's great to have you on the show, Woody. Appreciate you joining us. And I know that um, you were very involved there with the Push for the Bears Ears National Monument. Tell us more about what those protections look like for Bears Ears and and how those potentially compare to what's being proposed there at the Grand Canyon.
10: Thank you. Um, As uh, natives, we introduce ourselves in our own tongue, And uh, so my name is Woody Lee and i am uh, so with that i introduce myself in uh, in Navajo. so um, at the beginning of this journey of creating and proposing the bearser's national Monument, it started off in a ceremony with a prayer so through all of this yearly and 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 at both solstice, summer and winter, we have a, a traditional prayer and ceremonies that we do, and that has been continuing. And so, in that sense, we somewhat educate the public and educate all the what the powers that may be through what we have a cultural sensitivity training, to where um, we have. Everyone looking through our native or indigenous lens on why we're saying what we're saying, and explain to them why we say sacred and the meaning, the meaning that we say it in our in our uh, language, in our tribe, in our traditions. So with that, uh, one of the things we started off is that within Bear's Ears, there are many tribes that hold dearly to that to the landscape, and to Navajo, um, we treat it as. This is our, our living classroom. This is our, our place of prayer, a place of offering. And, you know, this is our grocery store. We have food that we collect there. And then with, this is a, a common ground for many tribes. And so and at the same time, we speak for those that can't speak for themselves, like the bird people, the insect people, the four-legged people, and all the water people. And anything that had to do with what we call sacred within the, within the uh, you know, Bears Ears region, so going through explaining where we're coming from, why we want this land to remain the same for future generations without extracting it, without destroying it, without, without having scars on the land. And so this is what we're trying to preserve for uh, our future generations. And with that language, and we still hold our language pretty close and pretty dearly with our prayers and songs. And at the same time, we are a mission-loyal organization. And so we speak of healing. So when other people came to the area and there had been some misunderstanding, there has been some war conflict, conflicts that happened, and it says, oh, those things can heal. So we are in that mode of healing. And at the same time, there had been some mining that took place. And we said, leave those alone. Let, let our mom heal. So those are some of the areas that we are that we have been coming from, where we're coming from. And then at the same time, we also speak to other governments, even though from we are uh, Utah to Nebukia organizations, which is an all-Indigenous-led nonprofit. And so and when we speak to other government, we all always um, require that we are informed uh, to have a prior informed consent and to where um, it's not an ambush. Mm-hmm. So, and then at the same time, speaking of land grab, you know, we know what what actually that means. That means, mm-hmm. you know, when the ships first sailed to these shores, what's been happening since then. So now, if you look at it, how much of that land has land grab has been taken away from natives? And right now, we just have little tiny spots. If you're like fifty thousand above sea level and looking down, we just have little tiny spots across this country. When at one time it was all native or indigenous lands, indigenous people. So in that instance, you know, I would be careful of saying land grab. And so uh, with that instance, you know, a small synopsis of what, on where we're, where we're at. And then at the same time right now, within the proclamation, um, when Obama first signed, it uh, it states that, you know, um, the protection will be there, however, all indigenous uses will remain. So. Uh, and then the next administration came in, which reduced the size of the the, the monument. And then it uh, and then he went to uh, the current administration and restored it, plus uh, additional uh, a few thousand, a few acres uh, onto that. So we went around that uh, land grab before here as well. So within uh, uh, we do understand where this initiative is coming from. And where it's where it's going to where it's going to go, and from our organization to uh, to the tribes that are that are proposing to have the Grand Canyon National Monument, yes, we are in in full support of that. From from where our organization is coming from, is from a, looking through our traditional lens. We okay. have uh, um, Navajo, a fully Navajo, uh, most majority is Navajo, and then we have Ute. And then we have a Pueblo that's renowned our organization. So we have several tribes uh, within our organization. Uh, so with that, the short synopsis, uh, thank
1: you. Okay. Well, appreciate that, Woody. And I know that there have been efforts to get protections for this area around the Grand Canyon in the past. What do you think is different now? And why are you and your partners more optimistic that these Protections will happen now, as opposed to efforts that didn't
10: succeed in the past. Um, through our efforts, ever since we started this, we have been, like I like I mentioned, the cultural sensitivity training, looking through the conversation through our indigenous lens, which led to, you know expanding that from our website and which is you know through our, all of our medias and um, which is worldwide and we have been getting a lot of support not only here within the states but abroad uh, so within that you know that that has really helped
1: mm-hmm. and your organization right now, I mean, what are some of the efforts that, that are currently taking place? I mean, what's happening behind the scenes in terms of these negotiations and these meetings also with, with elected officials and then some of these constituents and also some of these communities that are pushing back against the protections? Where are you folks at right now in the dialogue?
10: Um, right now, Utah is a very, you know, it's an extraction state. And we oppose that, and also uh, the the state opposes are our not our, our national monument, and so within that, I totally understand the struggles of within Arizona on this particular move. However, you know it can be done, uh, even though we are in a a very very uh, conservative uh, Republican state. However, just like I said, you know we're, uh, we we start every conversation with a prayer when we have meetings with uh, with the powers that be. So that has been our, our, our strength, and the hope our strength is through our prayers.
1: Okay. Now, also, I, I want to mention that there is a, a route there along the Nine Mile Corridor, and oil drillers want to improve that route. What's your thought on that with regard to oil drillers and that route in the Nine Mile Corridor?
10: Yeah, our position is the same. That's that's still an extraction. and But, you know, we... Um, the majority of our organization does not believe in a quick, buy, a quick dollar, and then you know five by nine, and then uh, leave scars and move on to the next, uh, which is not not our way of taking care of the land. And as land stewards, as it's indigenous land stewards, we do not uh, you know, leave scars like that to to our mother. Uh, mm-hmm. In this instance, it, that's 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 how it's being proposed, and and then at the same time hardening the road as well. And so um, from that aspect, you know, we like to preserve everything. Those areas that we hold sacred and those areas that we still have connections with to remain the same.
1: All right. Woody, also, I want to ask you with regard to Bears Ears, um, how's that working out in terms of the management of that land? Because that's also going to be an issue here potentially with this Grand Canyon land is, is the management of that land. Who, who will those responsibilities will fall on? Will it be a, co, a co-management model? Can you give us a little bit of insight in terms of how that's working there at Bears Ears and how that could potentially apply there at Grand Canyon as well?
10: There are a continuing discussions between the Forest Service, the Bureau of Land Management, the state, the tribes, and then we even have the uh, Coalition for the Bears Ears National Monument. And then there is a commission for the Bears Ears National Monument. And then there is also a um, Bears Ears Advisory Committee that also has, you know, there's all these conversations that are taking place. And everything is leading towards a co-management type of uh, management. Uh, In this instance, The proclamation is is there. However, it is there uh, just as uh, just with paper itself. It did not came with any fundings on how uh, the protection and how uh, the petroleum, the 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 taking care of the monument uh, that needs to be uh, looked at as well
1: okay thank you woody for joining us and and adding those insights to today's conversation i want to pivot back now to vice chairman shelton scott crozier and vice chairman we just heard from woody and um these plans for co-management can you describe for us what the plan is or what the thoughts are for management of this potential land around grand canyon that could come under federal protection um
7: thank
6: you um for the coalition i I believe it would be what Woody had mentioned is just working together and trying to see uh, looking at the whole monument wh- where do we go from here? but knowing that you know this once this is set as as a monument, then you know we all we still need to work together to further educate those that are opposed to it. So I believe that you know just that communication part would be is going to be a big deal for not just us but other other entities and agencies that are still going to understand the reason behind all of this uh, monument issues that we're we're trying to uh, preserve here.
1: Thank you, Vice Chairman, and Carletta, back to you. And uh, what would a an ideal co-management plan for these lands near the Grand Canyon? What would that plan look like to you, Carletta?
8: Thank you for the question. Um, Co-management in my vision would be to allow all the tribes to sit together and create a plan to protect our sacred places, our trails, our ancient burial sites, our mountains, and offering sites and how we can protect these areas. I think when we go out to pilgrimages or have our prayer ceremonies, um, part of the management should include that there should be no um, traffic in the area. Uh, They should provide us the time to do our ceremonies in peace and um, also to protect the uh, plants in the area. Um, I was also told by the band of uh, Paiutes that their traditional uh, foods have all disappeared due to cattle and uh, we need to revive those um, through the management process, be able to revive these areas that once had the foods that we all once used and utilized. So those are just a few of my thoughts uh, as we move forward with co-management. And I also understand that it's a long process, and it's going to take commitment from all the tribes to sit around the table and agree on agree on things moving forward.
1: Okay. And, Carletta, currently, are, are ceremonies taking place in that area? Or are you folks unable to do that with the way the land is structured now?
8: Uh, yes. Um, we gain... Um, Access to these areas uh, by driving out there and doing our ceremonies and our offerings. Uh, Most of uh, our prayers are done in private and um, we're not going to let the boundaries stop us from our prayer cycles that uh, when we need to go out there, we will and we have been.
1: Thank you, Carletta. I want to go back to Woody now. Woody, any last thoughts or, or comments you want to share before we have to wrap up the show in about another minute?
10: Yes, uh, thank you. Um, thank you for the discussion, and I hope this is I hope the endeavor is very successful. Uh, at the same time, I would like to have my uh, co-worker uh, take this. Uh, his name is Tom T. Good okay. morning, folks. Um,
7: Just a thought here from a more of uh, indigenous view. You know, the United Nations have specifically declared the indigenous rights of people around the world or global understanding that we must be informed, completely, totally understand what's happening to our land against federal governments, against state governments, even our own tribal governments, and that we must be publicly informed of what's going on. And I think also that is happening, that what needs to happen, the other part to that one is uh, to really convince our people, our neighbors, non-Indigenous uh, people, that we uh, need to be human beings, first of all, and that spirituality, spiritual perspectives are uh, trumps the economic benefit of a very temporary endeavors and exploitation that might happen, we must and will continue to exist as human beings, and I think that's the appeal that we need to make across cultures, barriers, uh, federal governments so far. is the the issue that we must we must appeal to these uh, human, the human, and the spiritual okay. aspect of mankind. I-
1: Thank you for for joining the conversation there at the tail end. And I want to thank all of our guests today, as well as our one caller for a really, really enlightening conversation on this push for new federal protections on land near the Grand Canyon. Join us tomorrow as we take a look at tribes hoping to become players in the evolving game of sports betting. Hope you'll tune in. Did you know that bare space is best when it comes to your baby's sleep? That's right. When you keep their crib free from toys, pillows, blankets, and other loose objects, you can drastically reduce the risk of suffocation. All your little one needs is to be placed on their back atop a tightly fitted sheet to ensure a safer night's rest. More infant sleep safety information
4: at cpsc.gov. Support by the U.S. Consumer Product Safety Commission. Support provided by Amaranth. Amerind is 100% tribally owned and partners with tribes and their businesses to provide affordable commercial insurance coverage, protect tribal sovereignty, and strengthen Native American communities by helping to keep dollars in Indian country. Information about property, liability, commercial auto, and workers' comp available at amerind.com. That's a m e r i n d.com.